It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special, and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. With Memorial Day around the corner, we invited some friends to the pantsuit politics table. Today we're inviting Lori, a Democrat, and Stephen, a Republican, to talk with us about the crazy primaries and the general election. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to pantsuit politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. Before we get started, we'd just like to ask you once again to leave us some reviews on iTunes. It helps other people discover Pantsuit Politics. And also, I personally wanted to give such a huge thank you to everyone for supporting me and my primary race for city commission, from people who made donations to my campaign, which was so above and beyond, and to all of your support on Twitter and just the messages. And it was just, it was a lot. I'm trying not gonna, I'm not going to cry, but it was great. Well, we have a few things to run through before we turn our attention to the train wreck. Is that a fair <laughs> a fair way to talk about the presidential race? Aww. Okay, so first, we want to take a second to acknowledge the tragedy that happened mm-hmm. um, in the flight from Paris to Cairo last week that just crashed. We also want to say that we don't know what happened. So we're recording on Sunday, and as of today, debris from the plane has been located Officials suspect that there are no survivors. The evidence that's been uncovered so far points to a rapid loss of control in the plane, but we don't know the cause. There has been an unbelievable amount of speculation from like the moment this flight went missing that terrorism has been involved. And I find that extremely problematic. 
I don't understand it. Why would you do that? It's not, at first I was like, oh, well, maybe they wanted to protect the industry from thinking there was like a flight problem. But then I'm like, yeah, but no one's going to be the one taking flights, even, no matter what happened, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really get it. Yeah, I don't think there's a, an acceptable like public relations victory in how any plane goes down right, for the exactly. industry. And no terrorist organizations have claimed responsibility. Often when terrorism occurs, you have multiple terrorist organizations claiming responsibility. No one's done that yet. Well, I keep if, if they keep at it, they're going to start claiming it. Well, that's right. I mean, no one is... I have no idea what happened, right? It, it could have been terrorism, but I just don't think it's responsible for CNN and elected officials and really everyone who's talking about this to fill airtime by talking about how it could be terrorism. So I think that's our message today. Don't speculate about terrorism, y'all. Let's know before we bring that word up. Agreed. On board. And also... Let's not make everything instantly about U.S. presidential politics. Oh, this seriously. This is a horrific tragedy. And listen, I'm not saying that it's not a hard line to walk to where you are sort of acknowledging the importance of the event by commenting on it and not using it. For, like, I, I will not. I, I will acknowledge that is a tough line to walk. But try because you're a presidential nominee. So you need to try. You need to be good enough at finesse to walk that line if you want to be the president of the United States. Ha, 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 ha. You just talked about finesse and Donald Trump is the nominee. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> well, any way around it, you know, you need to be able to walk that line. And, and I just, I think it's horrible. And not just the candidates, but the media too. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so disrespectful to the families of the people involved in these things to instantly start saying, what does this mean for our presidential politics? It means shut your mouth and just be sorry this happened for a second, please. Okay, soapbox, put away. (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not, because we're going to talk about the budget now. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Congress was supposed to pass a budget by April 15th, and it did not, and it still has not, as we sit here at the end of May. This, I think, is an interesting fact, Sarah. Over the past 15 years, Congress has passed seven budget resolutions. Listen, that's like 50%. I mean, (laughs) that's a, a, a D. All of your clients uh, would continue to work with you if you made it for them 50% of the time, right? 50% is not zero. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the process has become so broken that a senator actually now wants to give up some power, which never, ever happens in Washington, D.C. But uh, Mike Enzi, who is a Wyoming Republican on the Budget Committee, has proposed just abolishing that committee. That's hilarious. I love that. He called it a political show of partisan posturing and meaningless floor votes. And I read where another Democrat on the committee commented on Enzi's statements and says, look, it's it's just like someone putting up... um, smoke signals like please help (laughs) please help um and then there is a representative from iowa another republican david young who actually after the april 15th deadline passed he reached out to the house administrative office and said please don't pay me because we're not doing our jobs and we shouldn't get paid so I, i get that but i also think that is also posturing well i mean sure it is it's making a point and and they can't do that because any changes to congressional pay can't go into effect until the next year, which there are a lot of good reasons for that, right? Right. But but this guy feels so strongly about it that he is escrowing the checks. So even though it's kind of a grandstanding gesture, it has real 
impact. Like he says he's not going to cash those checks until they pass the budget. And he's working with other people. And this is not a new idea, this no budget, no pay idea. Um, Democrats have rallied around this idea at different points, Republicans too. So there is a small group in the legislature who would like to pass a bill that actually says we must pass a budget before we get our checks. I think that's a real nice idea. Well, I mean, I think it's, I don't, I think it's kind of silly and here's why. Because no congressperson and no voter thinks that they're there for the paycheck. They're there for the power and the power brings a lot more money than the actual paycheck. So that's my first beef. I just think it's sort of not acknowledging the bigger reality. I mean, you could do something like you can't fundraise until the budget is passed and then they would get their house in order. But I think the paycheck thing, I mean, the fact that they're even talking about it means, guess what? They don't need those paychecks. <laughs> you know, not, those people are not, I would, I don't think there's probably very many, maybe more congressmen, but definitely no senators living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. They don't need that. They don't need that money. That's why taking away is not going to matter anything. Sometimes, though, I think symbolic gestures are worth having. Yeah, that's true, as long as you acknowledge it's a symbolic gesture. And I think something needs to be done, and I do think this is at least a show of better faith to the American people. What bothers me so much about this, and I am not the kind of person who, like, tucks my copy of the Constitution in my lapel, right? So, you know, I I try to stay away from the constitutional references often enough to not be a conservative caricature, but (laughs) the Constitution does not contemplate many jobs for our Congress. Passing a budget, you know, appropriations generally, is one of the few things it explicitly says they should do. They do so many things. They're doing all the things not contemplated by the Constitution. Can they just, like, deal with this one basic function? And I get that it's complicated and it's hard, But it has become a foil for every other fight that they're having constantly in a way that I think is such a disregard for the duties they owe the American people. Okay, now I'm really going to put my soapbox on. This bothers me a lot. And I say hats off to anybody doing anything about it, even if it is kind of a cheap thing for their own gain. So um, I'm pretty sure that after my point on the briefcase that the governor of... Oklahoma listens to pansy politics because I said, (laughs) if you veto this totally stupid bill, I will give you a shout out. And she did. So here I am complimenting the other side. Republican governor of Oklahoma, Mary Fallon. Quality job. I didn't love her statement accompanying the veto. I didn't want to ruin the moment, so I didn't read it. Yeah, we'll we'll put this in the category of we'll take it, I guess. The, The thing that she said that bothered me was that the law that they passed was too vague to survive a constitutional challenge. And that she did think Roe versus Wade should be reexamined, but this law wasn't going to do it. And I sort of read it like, try again, fellas. (laughs) But I hope I didn't read it. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for me. I'm trying to give her a compliment. I do think, though, like with great power comes great responsibility. So we should start thinking hard about people that we offer to compliment and what we'd like to see happen in the world in order yeah, to give those compliments. because when we put it out there, I just think they might be paying attention. And she also could be a listener. Well, if you are, thank you, Mary Fallon. We yes, seriously. Well, I have been thinking, I've had a lot of conversations with people around this podcast about my perspective on local government, because as everyone knows, I am not like a Tea Party type. I do believe that local government has a good role to play and that problem solving at the local level is important. And I've been trying to think about, is there a person I can point to who really sort of embodies like what I think local government can do for a community 
and can do with with an eye towards still having like fiscal discipline and stewardship of the taxpayers dollars and then it became obvious to me that yes i can and that person is a democrat and also happens to be my father my dad is the judge executive for the county i grew up in mclean county in western kentucky he has done things that really amaze me in that role. And I don't tell him that often enough or think about it often enough, but he has given serious consideration to the county's water supply and the way water is brought into the county. And he was doing that way before anyone was talking about water crises in uh, cities across the country. He has brought in new industries in an area where it is very difficult to bring in industry. He has been an advocate for libraries making sure that the county's infrastructure is up to date, generally working with surrounding counties to do things that are good for the area. So I just think when I look at what my dad is doing as a judge executive, that to me is the summary of the power of community problem solving and and still being mindful of um, the county's budget and sort of the resources available to the people there. So good job, dad. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality but not salon-priced manicure, Olive & Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive & Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon-grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive & June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive & June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. 
This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So we are so excited to double the partisans and double the fun. We have two additional guests today. It's a first for Pantsuit Politics. This is very exciting. A quartet of commentary. Oh, that's nice. I like that. I like that. So first, we're going to have our very special guest introduce themselves and ladies and, of course, Democrats first. So, Lori, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your new podcast? Hi. Yes, I'm Lori Stark. I'm a, a public interest attorney, and I'm from Kentucky originally and, and recently relocated to West Virginia. I am a Democrat, and I just started a podcast myself called um, Talk Every Week, which you can find on Twitter at Talk Every Week, and then get all the links there. But it's basically um, a friend of mine and I who actually met discussing politics, um, or we developed our friendship discussing politics, and um, we're kind of doing a friendship-themed podcast together. Love it. And also, you know, if you're on our Twitter, you also know Lori. Lori's, Lori's filled in a little bit on some of the early debates. She was a, an early and devoted supporter of fancy politics, and we cannot thank her enough. Absolutely. And so now the infamous, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're infamous, Stephen. Stephen, tell, <laughs> tell our listeners yeah. about yourself, Stephen. I am the only Republican in Washington State in Seattle. <laughs> I, so you are I feel like I'm the only per- 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 person when I caucus. I'm the only person that caucuses. But I I work for Facebook. I used to work for Microsoft. I used to work for a startup. But I know Sarah and Beth from back in Transylvania days. And I'm happy to hold the Republican mantle, even amidst this crazy, crazy election cycle. But I'm happy to participate and happy to lend my voice to this insanity. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, fun, f- fun trivia fact. The first thing my now husband said to me was he looked at me and Stephen, who were passionately debating religion in f- our freshman year in college at the cafeteria table and said, Ugh, I hate people who have pseudo intellectual conversations. It was quite pseudo intellectual. <laughs> Absolutely. We're striving for more tonight here on Fancy Politics. So why don't both of you tell us your history with this particularly fascinating presidential primary? Stephen, you want to start? Yeah, sure. We recently had our primary election, and we recently had our convention, the Republican convention, out in Pasco, Washington, uh, for which, out of like the 45 delegates, Ted Cruz got 44 of the delegates elected, which is Really? Really? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, which is not going to make a difference. I voted for, I did a write-in candidate, actually, in this particular election. We do a, a mail-in ballot. My write-in candidate was Mickey Mouse, and that individual is going to get tons, tons, tons of votes. Oh my God. I, I can't. I am one of the never Trump camp. Um, I'm going to hold to that, and I'm a never Hillary too. But 
I could be swayed. Maybe. So, you might have to try really hard, Sarah. I want to know if you like me. So I'm also never Trump. I also am never Cruz. Were you in that camp as well, or would you have gotten on board? I with was Ted actually, Cruz? I was a Rubio person. Yeah. I was a Rubio person. I thought I was really lamenting this election because I felt that it didn't focus on policy at all. I felt it was a a vote or a, a culture of the uh, personality, so to speak, cult of the personality. There was never any opportunity to talk about policy. So whatever Trump believes has nothing to do with anything that a conservative would believe, so to speak. And probably the same thing with Hillary. I mean, Bernie is bringing her crazily to the left, so to speak. But I, I just can't. I, I, I lament this election cycle for that reason. I would love to have a debate on the issues on policy, but this was definitely not the case. Well, let the me ask you. Me was Rubio. Yeah. Let me ask you and Beth, like, where do you sort of place the responsibility for this situation? Do you place it at the feet of the other candidates? Do you place it at the feet of the media, of the party? Like, where where are you at on the both of that? On that, both of you. I mean, for me, it's it's you know, I listen to NPR in the morning because I like to hear the other side personally. <laughs> but I, I mean, is that wrong of me to think that NPR is liberal? I suppose that's just a standard uh, thought for anybody <laughs> from the right. Um, but the the politicians, so to speak, it feels like we're not represented. And I think it's the same for the, the far left with Bernie, the same thing with Trump. Anybody who's going to be anti-establishment is going to be the big winner in this particular race. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that there hasn't been any movement whatsoever since 2009 when uh, Obama came in, maybe even from 2007 or so, that's the blame in my view. Mm-hmm. You don't, don't feel the if you don't feel the representation. I don't know if I could put the blame... Um... Or, or credit, I guess, depending on your view of the world in any particular place. I think it's just the the culmination of do-nothing legislatures for the mm. past at least 10 years. I think that certainly the media environment has a lot to do with it. I mean, if you think about the fact that Trump and Clinton are really the best-known people to ever run for office this year, it's it tells you a lot about name recognition and the power mm. of media. And, and I do think that we all have just kind of gotten intellectually lazy. And I like my TV to be real stupid, right? Like I'm down with reality <laughs> television all day. I don't need slick entertainment. I don't want to think a lot. I want to sort of tune out. I do want my politics to have some refinement. And I don't know. I think we've just let everything bleed. And, you know, it's no surprise. Trump is great at reality television and this has been a reality TV election. And I think we're about to have have a reality TV convention and a reality TV general election. And I think whomever wins, if it's Trump or Clinton, uh, the White House, we're going to have four more years of reality television playing out on Pennsylvania Avenue. It is a disgrace. Uh, Beth, I mean, I predicted in February that if Trump is the nominee, that that Hillary would get all the electoral votes, (laughs) which would be every single, which would be the, the unanimous electoral vote, the first since George Washington. I mean, closest since Ronald Reagan to getting the unanimous vote, which, you know, obviously Republican will never get D.C., but still, it's really, really bad. But the fact that Trump actually might win a couple states is scary to me. I know my father, I know my father-in-law are going to vote for Trump because they hate hate Hillary that much. And I've had conversations with these guys. They're not dumb guys. They just can't stand the fact that the that the, the establishment, that their representatives are not, in their minds, representing them. And, yeah, so uh, is that about hating they, Hillary or is that about punishing Republican leadership? It's a com- I think it's a combination of both. Everybody sees Hillary, at least from the right, as, in my view, I don't speak for everybody, obviously. They see her as someone who's opportunistic, 
I mean, you saw that uh, Elizabeth Warren little viral video that went by recently where, hey, she was against this bankruptcy bill before she was for this bankruptcy bill. And obviously, there's a lot of nuance associated with this particular bill, and I can recognize that. But most people don't take the time to understand the differences of these sort of things. And so, hey, I'm going to have my confirmation bias, which is going to say, hey, Hillary is just an opportunistic little whatever. And she's been she's been aiming for the presidency since 1975, uh, whenever she got out of law school, whatever that happens to be. And as a result, well, we just can't trust her. We think she's duplicitous in the other thing. And, you know, frankly, the fact that we would have Trump, who is a businessman for sure. He's declared banks 300 times. He's had 100 different wives or whatever. But it doesn't make a difference. We, He's not establishment. And so because he's a businessman, we think he's going to bring something different to Washington. I think it's just the fact that during George uh, W. Bush, we had Democrats that were and Code Pink and all this other stuff against George W. Bush. We had the Republicans against Obama. We had Mitch McConnell saying, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure Obama's not going to have a, a single term. This sort of this sort of politics means nothing gets done. And no one's represented in this state. Mm. So what about you, Lori? What's your journey with this primary season? So it's been a long one. Uh, <laughs> it seems like it's been a long one. Uh, actually, um, I, I'm... I'm a Hillary supporter. Um, I, I voted uh, for Hillary in, in the 2008 primary, but I actually started uh, this primary season um, in, in the Bernie camp. So I was probably, and I was never hardcore, 100% just in love with Bernie, but um, I was definitely leaning toward him heavily uh, for a couple of months. And then um, at some point I... Um, switched back over to my gal Hillary. Um, and, and, and I've been with her, um, been with her ever since. Oh, I love her. Sorry. That's not very contributing to the conversation, but sometimes I just uh, get in that surprising space. too. No, <laughs> everyone just but, dropped. But Sarah, yeah. but when, when Bernie was in Paducah, didn't you, didn't you take a picture with him too? No, I did not. Come on. I did not. Have just said hello. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting. I think even when I was, with Bernie, it was, and I may be like the only person who would describe it this way, is that my head was with Bernie, but my heart was with Hillary. <laughs> um, and I feel like you probably don't hear that a lot. Um, but sort of the work that I'm in is very um, economic justice related, and I was really um, interested in his positions on that um, and, and pretty passionate about that. But um, where I changed, actually, um, and I remember this specifically, uh, the day that it happened was... I watched um, probably six to seven hours of Hillary um, being questioned during the Benghazi hearing. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe you watched that much of that. <laughs> I did, but if if you want to be impressed by um, Hillary Clinton, or if you if you doubt that she can withstand um, a good deal of pressure, there's nothing better I can suggest than watching <laughs> seven hours of Hillary being, uh, being questioned in the Magadha hearings. Um, and it was, you know, she, she was just phenomenal. And I, I kind of remembered, um, where I had been with her in the first place. And, and to be honest, I've, I've never viewed her, um, positions and, and Bernie's positions on, on most issues that differently. I think she is an incrementalist and she's, mm -hmm. um, a bit, um, I, I think they have different ways of going about for the most part, similar goals. Lori, so what's your perspective on the primary and sort of how how's the Democratic Party coming out of this and the uniting behind Hillary situation? Yeah, so I think right now it's a bit concerning and it looks as though perhaps we're not going to be able to unite. And I do think 
there is probably some kind of fracture in the party that is going to continue and is going to be interesting yeah, to explore later. Yeah, but here's my later. question. How many people, because I feel like when you had people mad at, because Hillary was losing, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You had, those people were hardcore Democrats supporting Hillary Clinton at that point. But the p- difference mm-hmm. is the people supporting Bernie at this point are not, for the most part, I would say, hardcore Democrats, like party members, right? These are like, well, what do you think? Do I don't you think know. I'm off about that? I, I mean, I, a lot of my friends that are Democrats and have consistently voted Democrat um, uh, are Bernie supporters. But most of them, again, I... I I think are going to come around to Hillary. Um, I I do think the most animus I hear about Hillary probably comes from people that aren't registered Democrats or they're registered independents or they're regularly third party voters. I mean, there are for sure some Democrats like that I'm friends with on Facebook. I see kind of the hashtag never Hillary sort of thing, but they're fewer um, and more far between. I mean, I do think, you know, I think in 2008 we ended up kind of everybody getting back together and, and rallying behind Obama, which wasn't an issue for me. I always liked him. But, and I kind of think we'll get to the same place. I'm hopeful anyway. Yeah, seriously. So what do we think the general's going to be like? <laughs> gonna be We're going to go against the millionaires and the billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something um, that I've been gonna... thinking about with the general that I think is just like mind blowing when you step back and look at it. In an, in a year that's about like something different, the fact that the two major parties have nominated people close well, Donald Trump is seventy, right? And Hillary Clinton is close to seventy. I is think that's Donald Trump seventy years old? Really? Yeah, yeah. sixty nine or something like that. Wow, I did not know that. I mean, doesn't that take your breath away that this election has produced people that old? No, I mean nothing against people. Hopefully, of that this is age, the last wow. baby boom election. Hopefully, this is the last baby boom election. I strongly this next will be Gen X that or election. millennial. Strongly the baby boomers have that. have ruined this country. The baby boomers have ruined this country. That's my opinion. Um, we have <laughs> that is not officially trillion dollars. Fancy politics. <laughs> I think we're all millennials here, are we not? I mean, I count myself. Actually, I had a conversation with my friend today about this, that I'm really interested by the idea of like sort of generational markers. We shared it. Beth actually found this amazing article about how you you can learn all you want to know about Donald Trump by looking at him as through the prism of being a baby boomer. And just generational markers generally, I think, are so fascinating and can really enlighten things. And so I'm not going to be uh, overly negative but per se, but I do think there's way more to that than people give it credit. And I do think that at a certain point, like we need presidents and leadership that didn't spend more of their life without the internet than they did with it. <laughs> and I would hey, think Sarah, that would be many, true here many, in 2016. Mm-hmm. How many first, how many uh, participation banners uh, did you get when you were growing up? How many, how many fifth place trophies did you get? Just curious. I have a fair amount of field day ribbons that I showed my child to make him feel better about the fact that he's not so great at field day that are like, um, (laughs) yeah, that are participation ribbons. Like I I showed him, I was like, see, look, I have all these. You participated. So here's the thing. Yeah, and Sarah and I I went to elementary school together, so we probably have the same. The same ribbons. (laughs) Yeah. Ribbons because I also perform very poorly. But so like, I'm just, I feel like though our generation and truly, I mean, we're all the exact same age, like. That it it's we're an interesting um, bridge, right? Because we're not full millennial. Like we're not 
we understood. We, we, we still we, had AOL on uh, floppy disks. Right. We remember what it was like it. before the internet vaguely. But so, um, I, I mean, you know, maybe it's the turn at time. I definitely think it's time for, you know, the next generation of leadership on the Paducah City Commission. Just saying. Um, but <laughs> Congratulations, I think, by the way. So. Thank you. Thank you. But I do think it's like maybe we'll be the bridge between that to like, OK, y'all, we got to we got to shift our thinking a little bit. So here in 2016, we have two people uh, knocking on 70s door, extremely wealthy, both living in New York, both of a social class that most of us can hardly fathom. Like that does not spell outsider to me. I just think it is yeah, so, so true. Weird. So true. That's so true. And I and what what I think the general election is going to be like. Um, I think that we could turn on passions or days of our lives. Or <laughs> <any number laughs> oh God, I hope not. I hope not. I really do think that I have more faith in Hillary's and her team's ability, especially her sort of new this round team. Like once she really pivots to the general and can stop talking about Bernie, like I really have faith in her ability to drive the conversation a little bit more and to hopefully shift people's perspective of her. I don't think it's as cut in stone as people think it is when when she's a presidential candidate. I guess is what I'm saying. What do you my think? My hope for Hillary, my hope for Hillary, Sarah, is that that uh, she's able to show her credentials aside from her identity, which is being a woman. Mm. I would love that she were elected. If she were elected, and she's going to be elected, honestly, like, yeah, because she is the most qualified and most competent candidate. Mm. I I just despise the notion of identity politics. I know the Democrats have done this a long, long, long time. The fact that she's a woman is great, but that should not be the reason that people vote for her. And I know there's a, well, and I, I don't that's, think people. That's just my I, I don't think I, I know what Laura's going to say, and I already agree with it. <laughs> I, I don't think. I mean, I think it's exciting that she's a woman, and I think that it, I'm ready for a woman president. But I, I don't know anyone that's voting for Hillary because she's a woman, hands down. Like they just found somebody off the street and they're voting for her because she's a woman. Let I me mean, put it this way: I don't know anybody who was like. Hell yeah, I'm going to vote for McCain because he picked Sarah Palin, who is also supporting Hillary Clinton. Let, let me. Yeah, back. I mean that was that was sort of McCain's thing, right? I mean, yeah. I think the idea was like, oh, all these people are are really sad that Hillary's out. All these women that were so excited, um, I'll get a woman on board, um, and we'll get all those votes. And and that didn't work out that well. No. I mean, I'm I'm really excited that she's a woman, but you know, I I wouldn't be voting for Carly Fiorina if, right. if she were the Republican nominee right now. So what do you think, Lori? Stephen is, if Stephen is absolutely sure Donald Trump is not going to win, how are you feeling? I don't think he's going to win. I mean, well, and I just came from Kentucky and, you know, you and Beth are obviously in Kentucky. So Matt Bevin, the Matt Bevin situation scares me a little bit <sighs> because we voted, we voted in someone who... Not me. No we did not vote for him. Gonna, I did not vote for Matt Bevin. We as in the Commonwealth <laughs> um, voted him. Certainly I did not vote for, um, for Matt Bevin. Um, but no one thought he was going to win, and he did. And so that gives me some pause. I, I have a, but I do have a real hard time thinking that that Donald Trump is going to pull this out. I, I don't know. Matt, I'm I'm full in the like. There's no way the country that elected Barack Hussein Obama twice is going to lock Donald Trump. But Beth has some misgivings. I, I think it's possible. I'm not counting him out. I I think it's possible. I think we're being unrealistic if we count him out. I think also every time we count him out, it adds fuel to the fire. I think the media will keep this thing alive, whether the polls do or not. I think that he is such a content creator for political entertainment that he's not going to go anywhere. 
And I do think that there are more people than any of us on this call want to believe who are going to imagine the idea of Hillary Clinton in the White House and decide that they cannot cannot stomach that. I think the fact that Gary Johnson is polling at 10% in May tells you, I mean, let's be honest, 8% of those people were just like, I'll take the other one. I don't care who he is, right? (laughs) Because I, I think that there are so many people unhappy with these two choices. It feels to me like the door is wide open for a third party challenger. I know it's late in the process and everybody wants to talk about how that's not possible. I think if somebody would do it, it would be very possible and either way, I, I think Trump is going to show a lot stronger, at least for a while, than anyone thinks. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code podcast 15 there's not much worse than a dry energy scalp also when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed it could be that unfiltered mineral filled water is the culprit hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry irritated skin and about 85 percent of the united states uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine that's where canopy's new filtered shower head comes in canopy known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier has revolutionized the filtered shower head dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. 
Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Well, I'm... Hey, Beth, can, you tell me, can you tell me more about Gary Johnson? Because I'm really interested right now. <laughs> so, so Gary Johnson is uh, the person believed likely to be the libertarian candidate for president, former governor of New Mexico. Hmm. Really interesting guy, certainly a competent guy. He is not the most charismatic guy on the block. Um, and so there are some in the Libertarian Party who believe that he would make a poor choice and they should nominate someone with a little more charisma. But but he seems to be a pretty solid guy. He is a Libertarian for sure. And we're going to try to put together future episodes where we talk more about what that actually means. But I'll tell you, if the election were being held today, Gary Von, Gary Johnson would have my vote. I mean, like, get rid of the Civil Rights Act, Libertarian? You know, I have I have not looked at his Civil Rights Act position. I was more interested in, like, the economy. How about getting rid of the minimum policy. wage? Are we a big, big fan of that? I mean, because when you say a real Libertarian, that can mean a lot of really crazy things. You might Before you, uh, before you give him your vote, you might look into that. Well, let's be honest. Is, is the president from the White House going to be able to dictate a Libertarian agenda? No, because there's going to be a Congress full of Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> so my question is, whose judgment do I trust? Who do I think has the wisdom to sit in the Oval Office? And right now, I rank Gary Johnson above Hillary Clinton. And well, that's Trump. my point, though. I don't trust the judgment of anybody that wants to get rid of the Civil Rights Act, whether they could actually do it or not. Well, hey, why don't we find yeah. out if that's true or not before we say too much about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my thing, too. I just think it's really hard before we they're actually post-convention and they are having, I'm going to be optimistic and describe it as a conversation between Donald Trump joke. and Hillary Clinton. Because right now it's just everybody's worst perception of those after two bloody primaries, right? It's just sort of the c- caricatures of both of them after the primary season. And I think... I mean, the biggest joke is that Hillary has a bigger hand size than Donald Trump. Right. You know, so you know I think just... Right? Let's get past that. Let's get past the conventions where we're really talking about what does this mean? And let's get some debates going. And then let's see where ever, where everybody's chips have fallen and how people perceive Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Like, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I, I agree with Beth to the extent that I, I don't think we're all going to be relaxed in October about this, about like, Trump's not going to get in. It's definitely not going to happen. I mean, I think the media is going to keep spinning it and spinning it and spinning it. And everybody's going to be at least mildly terrified. Uh, I mean, everybody who doesn't want Trump in the White House is going to be mildly terrified. But I don't know that he's actually going to get there. I mean, it's just the, the coalition you need to win, particularly women and minorities. Mm-hmm. I just don't, you know... I think that there's this perception right. of Donald Trump that pe- that certain people, like, it doesn't matter what he says, but that's not true because there's some things he said that there are certain coalitions of people that they do not forget. And if you engage them in a conversation about Donald Trump, that is the first thing they built, they bring up, you know, like the wall thing is a big deal. It's a big deal to a lot of people on and right. positive and negative, but 
Did you so say, I, I can't remember who the congressman was, but someone suggested that, that perhaps that meant a virtual wall. I oh, laughed so hard when I read that article. But I mean, I think we will see a lot of shifting and maneuvering through those coalitions. And Trump's statements about women are abhorrent. It is absolutely a, a big factor in why I could never vote for him. There are too many factors in why I could never vote for him to list, but that's one of them. But... It is a complex relationship with women, and he has things to say on the other side, too, about hiring women in the 80s to run in, you know, construction and real estate businesses when no one was doing that. So there's going to be a lot to say with these two. These are two yeah. people that there is always a lot to say about. I agree. Any closing reflections on this primary season uh, from your sort of personal partisan perspective? Stephen, you want to start? Yeah. I will vote down the line, except for the presidential election. I will not vote in the presidential election unless it's for some crazy candidate like Gary Johnson. Maybe he's on the ballot. He may not be even able to get on the ballot in Washington State. But the best we can do as a conservative is to have some balance against the inevitable Hillary Clinton White House. Uh, Harkening back to the 94 to 98 days where there actually was functioning government. I know it shut down a couple of times, but whatever. I forgive those times. But it seemed like the economy was humming. Government was humming. Uh, until Clinton got a Hummer, so to speak. Thanes um, <laughs> were great. We might be able to reproduce such things under Hillary Clinton. I mean, I don't know. That's my that's my hope. That's what I'm going to go for. What about you, Lori? Well, I'm definitely ready to hug it out with um, <laughs> under Bernie supporters. I'm going to need like a, a week or two before I'm ready for hugs. Probably I'm not quite. I'm not ready for hugs, but I will get there. <laughs> I'm ready for some hugs. So I'm ready for that. I do think on the Democratic side, as not happy as I've been probably the last few weeks with sort of the tenor of things, um, I do think our primary has been overall pretty beneficial. I think a lot of issues have been brought to the surface that might not have been before had we not had such a hotly contested primary. So I am happy about that, and I'm hoping to see those scored further. But, yeah, I'm I'm ready to keep moving forward to the general election. Go Hillary. That's my close. Hashtag I'm with her. Hashtag I'm with her. Baz, do you want to have anything you want to add to this segment? Hashtag I'm with no one. Um, (laughs) You know, what I said from the beginning is just I hope that we get past this and we have a backlash against the kind of culture that produced it. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that we, we look at this and say, we have to have civil, respectful, nuanced dialogue. We have to care about policy. We have to start thinking again about the role of government and not approach this as, you know, American Idol presidential edition. I think, Beth, you make something really, really great point, and I didn't even express it. I hope Trump gets killed so that the people who are voting for Trump realize that that sort of politics are not going to be successful. Mm, that's good. I like that. That's a good – that is a good – closer that's right there thanks for joining us for a a episode uh or at least the segment of the suit and next up we'll be talking about swimsuits and the heels little we'll get off this partisan stuff real fast since we were already getting ready for Memorial Day, which is the kickoff of summer. Well, we're talking swimsuits. Beth, do you have general feelings about swimsuits? Um, I have this noise about swimsuits. That's my feeling. Let me respond to that. I am giving up swimsuits. Let me expand on that. I will not be going nude. But so for the last probably 
three years, I, I go pure rash guard. Like I only wear, I do not wear like swimsuit tops. I mean, I do, but then I put a rash guard over top and that's all I wear. Like I, I do not go out without my rash guard. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I am very pale. And now I spend zero time worrying about sunscreen. Love my rash guard. Cannot say enough good things about it. So love the rash guard. So I thought, okay, you know what? Let's take this all the way. And so I am going to purchase myself some of these, they call, they're called swim leggings and or swim pants. They're sort of like yoga pants, only they're swimsuits. And I'm doing that in the rash guard. I'm leaving swimsuits behind. We're done. We're done here. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm through. I like that very much. I could get on that train with you. Because yeah, you're like me. You're chasing kids. I don't need my booty hanging out. I got babies to pick up. and No, no I can't do that. I'm done. I'm chasing kids. I'm also Snow White, basically. I mean, there's really what good comes of a swimsuit. This is my point. What has the swimsuit ever done for me? Nothing. No, I agree with you. I'm trying to think of something, and I have nothing. nothing. No. Because also, so like, I feel that the, the neckline of swimsuits has become a thing in my old age that I just cannot contend with. No. Because I either go like um, school marm. Yeah. Or like plunging to the point that, again, with the chasing of kids and the hanging out of things, like yeah. I'm just, it's uncomfortable. I'm moving it's on. Uncomfortable. It's, that's, we're done. We're done here. Me and swimsuits. It was nice. I guess we had a semi-abusive relationship for 34 years and I'm done with you. <laughs> that's true. On. And there's just no way to feel good in a swimsuit. No. I know that I should. I want to feel that. You know, I want to be that person who says, like, I feel amazing no matter what. I look at pictures of myself and think they're... Think of my dog or my children, and I love them that much. Nope, can't get there. I can't. I'm not going to ever be that enlightened, I feel. No, and it's just stressful when you're pale. It is a stressful situation. I am stressed the whole time worrying about being sunburned. Now, I just put on my hat. I put on my rash guard. Now, I'm going to put on my little swim leggings. I'm going to go. The first time I went to a beach vacation with my rash guard, what? and I am not being hyperbolic, it was life-changing. It To be able to go out and enjoy my children and enjoy the sun and not have to be stressed constantly that my sunscreen was wearing off, that I needed to reapply, did I apply enough, did I miss a spot, was amazing. I cannot not recommend it highly enough. The sunscreen-sand combination, too. And then when you have small children at the beach and you add in, like, Cheerio dust. Yeah. There's there's something happening with your skin that just shouldn't occur in nature. Also, it feels know? gross. Sunscreen does not feel good. It's, like, a nasty situation. And, like, if I'm going in the water, like, when I used to, like, snorkel... Or even like when I do swim lessons with my little boy, when Griffin was little, we did swim lessons like every day, two hours in the pool. They don't make a sunscreen that can help me in that situation. It does not exist. Like it can, there is no sunscreen up to the challenge of my pale skin in the water, in direct sunlight for more than 15 minutes. Like it just doesn't exist. Well, I support you in this decision and perhaps we'll be joining you with it as well. I think that's a fantastic idea. Thank you. I will report back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Uh, We really appreciate all of the conversations that we have with you on social media and via email. Don't forget that you can give us a call anytime. Leave a message here yourself on the show. And we'll be back on Friday with the briefcase. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsuit Politics.